0: That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hey guys, Mark Striegel here on Talking Metal. Thanks for joining us. I'm checking in with you right now from Central Park South and Fifth Ave, right on the corner of Central Park here in New York City. It is a Monday, and all the horses and carriages are lined up here. This is where a lot of people come to take a, a buggy ride, I guess you'd call it, of Central Park. And a uh, nice day. Spring is here. Thanks for joining us on Talking Metal. Let's get into the episode. Check out the critically acclaimed release, Curse of the Red River. The brand new full-length album by Baron Earth. This album combines the best elements of metal, prog, and more obscure psychedelic rock. Visit Peaceville at P-E-A-C-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com to buy the CD and to check out other great metal acts. Use the links in today's show notes of the Talking Metal podcast to open your iTunes and download Barren Earth. Once again, guys, thanks for joining us. I'd like to just kind of share with you uh, something. You know, I remember specifically hearing the Ride the Lightning album by, the, by Metallica for the first time and being just completely blown away. I consider it a life-altering moment. The same goes with Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden, Dirty Deeds by ACDC, even non-metal records like Nirvana's Nevermind. OK Computer by Radiohead, Jeff Buckley Grace. These are all records that really changed my life and just blew me away the first time I I heard them. Uh, I remember my uncle playing me Led Zeppelin IV for the first time and remember hearing Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones on the radio for the first time. These were true works of art again just really changed my life when i when i heard these songs and i for a lot of these songs can remember exactly where i was the first time i heard the the song or the album bloody kisses by typo negative is one of those albums i remember back probably in 1993 hearing it for the first time uh, my friend caprice played it for me and was just completely blown away by it i immediately went out and bought the record and it has remained one of my favorites You know, here we are, what, 17 years later. The world has truly lost a great artist who gave us some really great, great stuff. So before we get into the show, let me just set up the episode, because it's a bit disjointed, and I apologize for that. But we have John Astronomy, Bert Gabriel, and myself checking in with you from New York City. That'll start the episode. Then we will go to Victor over in Spain, who... Spoke with our good friend Dan Lorenzo. Dan had some nice uh, things to say about Pete and some memories to share. Then we will hear from Joey Z, who played with Pete Steele in the Reunited Carnivore. And Victor's going to share a little clip of Joey talking about Pete Steele that he recorded earlier this year. Or maybe it was even late last year, I'm not sure. We will conclude today's episode with a brand new interview that Victor and I did Oh, probably less than a month ago with joey z here in new york city when victor was visiting so again it's a little disjointed a little complicated you don't need to follow everything i just said to uh, enjoy the show pete Steele, a true artist he will be missed
0: forgive her for she knows not what she does No
1: Hey, it's Mark Striegel along with John Astronomy and Bert Gabriel all the way from Mexico. How are you, Bert?
2: Dramatic pause. All right.
1: Well, cool. welcome to America.
2: Welcome to the radio.
0: Shall I say, uh, internet radio. Uh,
1: internet radio, internet podcasting. John Astronomy, of course, is here.
3: He's a little broken up. Yes, we are very devastated at the loss of one of the greatest metal, singers, and innovators of a whole new genre, Mr. Peter Still, and we are just blown away and devastated by his passing today. Yeah, last week, by the time you're hearing this, uh,
1: we um, actually uh, just can't express how sorry we are to hear this news. I remember hanging out with John and actually my wife at the uh, Rob
3: Zombie show a few years back and actually talking to uh, Pete while he was there rocking out without a doubt nokia theater one of the the coolest venues and what i can't help but remember is that there was a roadrunner uh show at that same venue where i believe Ville from him did a typo song at a roadrunner anniversary party and i just know that so many people are broken up about this evan Seinfeld. Dan Lorenzo, everybody has commented on how sorry and how sad they are that they lost what they feel was a brother to them. Yes, and we're
1: going to hear from Dan Lorenzo in a bit. We're going to turn things over to Victor Ruiz over in Spain, our Talking Metal correspondent over there. He does his own podcast called Mars Attacks. You can check it out on marsattacksradio.com. And he also writes for the Metal Army, Metal army.com and of course can be heard all the time on markstriegelradio.com he does shows there and also uh, helps do a lot of the programming Victor and I when Victor was in, in New York a few weeks back we actually hooked up with Joey Z who is the bandmate of Pete Steele in Carnivore and we weren't really talking about Carnivore in that interview but um, I know uh, that we have since spoken with Joey Z actually uh, earlier today I think Victor heard from him And uh, he is just devastated by this news, um, obviously. And Joey Z, of course, played in the more recent version of Carnivore with Pete. So, uh, anyways, just a sad, sad time in in metal. And I'm also a fan of this glam metal band, Pretty Boy Floyd. You you hear about that, Vinny?
3: Yeah, without a doubt, um, Vinny Chaz, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I liked, as you guys know, I mean... I liked all of the glam rock groups from Poison on down, and, uh, yeah, I don't even know what happened to him, and I'm not sure that anyone really knows what happened to Vinny Chaz, but uh, I I definitely knew who he was, and uh, I haven't, unfortunately, seen them live, but didn't you guys do a gig with them in the past?
1: Yeah, my band actually opened up for Pretty Boy Floyd uh, probably about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, out in Jersey, uh, in Clifton, coincidentally, and... um, we, I th- I don't believe Vinny was in the band at that time. Uh, I can tell you those guys were partying like maniacs. Uh, so uh, hopefully that wasn't uh, one of the reasons that Vinny died. I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, it, from what I've heard from the great website Metal Sludge, it appears that he may have called out sick on Friday and... Uh, No one heard from him for a few days, and they showed up at his place, and they found him dead. And what a ridiculous thing! This guy's probably like uh, in around forty years old, I would say, and um, very sad. It's very sad, especially even more sad when you know no one quite knows exactly what happened, and the poor guy is alone, you know, home alone or something like that. It's very sad. And. Same,
1: same with Pete Steele in his late 40s, but still a, a very sad uh, day in gothic metal and glam metal history. We are going to tap right into the Mars Attack show, where, where you'll hear from Joey Z. Uh, again, I interviewed Joey with uh, Victor. Uh, we, this interview took place in New York City a few weeks ago, and I believe we're also going to hear from Dan Lorenzo, who spoke with Victor uh, recently. So support Talking Metal by buying a Talking Metal t-shirt in the store section of the Talking Metal uh, website. Uh, follow Mars Attacks on Twitter at MarsAri2005. Uh, Talking Metal is on there. Talking Metal on Twitter. And is Burt Gabriel on Twitter?
2: Yes. Twitter.com slash mentira. All
1: right. Well, we're going to be back with Burt Gabriel next episode. Full, full interview with... Uh,
3: Metal legend, Burt Gabriel. And I want to just mention that uh, I was hanging out with you guys when you did the Joey Z interview, and he was literally one of the nicest people we ever had to the Talking Metal studios. And uh, Joey, let's hang out again, man. And I'm sorry that uh, we're all going through this tough time, especially you, dude.
1: Let's get into some carnivore, and then we will tap right into the Mars Attacks show here on the Talking Metal podcast.
0: Yeah, kinda of get the uh... Sin and the punishment is death. I wish you had left me unborn.
4: Welcome everyone to a special episode of Mars Attacks. Uh, This episode will be our tribute to Peter Steele. And uh, let me just explain a little bit about how this episode originally came about. And I want to mention that we're not doing this to capitalize on his death. Uh, We're doing this as music fans. And this is going to be released jointly by Talking Metal and by Mars Attacks. And let me set all this up for you. Uh, Last month I did a live show with John and Mark from Talking Metal while I was in New York. And uh, we had Joey Z come into the studio and talk to us. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Joey has played with Life of Agony, Stereo Mud, and with Pete in Carnivore. Um, Being that there were rumors years ago of Peter Steele passing away, uh, the first person that I contacted was Joey. Joey and just to see, hey, you know, uh, see how he was doing, thanking him once again for the interview and saying, hey, you know, I've heard this rumor, Uh, do you know anything about this? And Joey wrote me a little later that day, and um, his response, I mean, right off the bat, he responded with, uh, yeah, Victor, it's true. Peter's gone, I will miss him very much, he was like a brother. And... See, when we had him in the studio, he mentioned Carnivore for about a second. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. Had Pete have passed away, of course we would have dedicated more time to that. But given the time that we had for the interview, we couldn't get into uh, the Carnivore segment. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you that as part of this podcast. Uh, also, what I did was reach out to a bunch of different artists that I had interviewed previously from the area, from the New York, New Jersey area, because, let's face it, if anybody is a musician from this area, it's almost an extension, one or the other. It's, uh, as uh, uh, as Byron from uh, God Forbid said, you know, last month when I saw them at D.B. King's, he says it's almost home A and home B, because they're so close to one another. Uh, bands frequently, you know, go back and forth across the border and play in, you know, venues in both places. So, um, because of that, you know, I wanted to touch base with people that maybe had, you know, rubbed elbows with, uh, Pete, you know, maybe before he was famous, hadn't known him for a while and this and that, and, you know, um, Pete obviously has touched a lot of people, uh, because there was an outpouring of people that submitted things to Blabbermouth, for example, um, and, you know, what I want to do is celebrate Pete, and you know, um, I'm not going to say that I was the biggest Type o Negative fan, because I wasn't. I really enjoy his music, and I, I have pretty much everything that the band has ever put out. Um, behind Us You Will hear We Hate Everyone, because that's the first song that I ever heard by Type o Negative that really caught my attention. I heard it on WSOU back in the day sometime in the early 90s, and um, getting sort of off track here. But you know, I reached out to a bunch of different artists, and I was able to get... Dan Lorenzo from Hades, nonfiction and uh, Screaming Metal, amongst other things on board. So what I'm going to have, I'm going to play a clip of uh, Dan discussing Pete Steele. We'll get into the Joey Z bit with um, him talking about Carnivore from my previous interview with Joey. And then the end of the episode will be the episode that I did with the guys over at Talking Metal. So here's a little typo next we don't care! We don't care! What? You? Dang!
0: What the fuck? Whoa, whoa,
5: whoa, whoa!
6: Well, I guess my earliest involvement with uh, Pete was uh, when he was in Carnivore. My band, Hades, would play with them at L'Amour. And okay. this would be like the end of the 80s. And I can't say that, yes, we, we did rub elbows, but I certainly didn't get to know him. And it's funny, when I got to know him, it was actually uh, nonfiction. My other band, in the early 90s, we played with Repulsion and then Typo Negative a bunch of times. Right. And uh, I can't even tell you I knew them so great then. But years later, when I, I started selling advertising and writing for Steppin' Out magazine here 16 years ago, right, and only about five or six years ago, I interviewed Pete for Steppin' Out magazine.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: So I mailed him a copy of the issue when it came out, and to my surprise, he left a, uh, a message on the mailbox here, the voicemail box, and he said he wanted to thank me and give him a call, you know? So I called him back. And it was really odd because I've interviewed, you know, 20 people. and never said, Nobody's ever called back to say thanks. That just doesn't happen, you know? Right. So we, we started talking on a pretty regular basis. He was calling me at home and stuff. And we talked about uh, Alan and I had some acoustic songs. And I sent them to Pete. It was the only thing I was doing. I was kind of done playing music. And Pete said he wanted to put dance beats to it. And we, we <laughs> were starting to talk on a regular basis. And... Uh, what uh I remember thinking is, like, my God, this guy's at the height of his fame and here I am on a has been or a never was, a guy who really hasn't done anything in years. Right. And Pete Steele's calling me like almost every day for a while, you know? Right, right, right. And it was it was intriguing to me because I think of him as a musical genius. I mean, I consider myself a great riff writer. Right. I can write lyrics and melody lines, but my strength is the you know, writing guitar riffs. Whereas Pete Steele is all-encompassing, or was all-encompassing. He could write a song from the ground up and write stunning melody lines that are commercial and catchy, yet dark and heavy. Right. Um, and I, I was very intrigued by why this guy re- reaching out to me. I didn't want to say it when I was asked for quotes yesterday, mm-hmm. but the first two words that jumped into my mind was, perhaps he was a lost soul. And I, I did not want to say that, because I can't say I knew him that well in my my conversations with Pete might have added up to only two hours over a lifetime, right? Uh, maybe three hours, whatever. But I saw Monty Connor from Roadrunner Records called Pete a lost soul, and I then said, "Yeah, I should have said that too. I have to agree." Like, you know, some people, no matter how well things are going, are never happy because there's there's something dark and sad in their heart, and no matter how good things are, that's just the way they're going to feel. And I think Pete was one of those people. Right.
4: And did you come into any further contact with him after you guys had shared all these conversations on the phone and done the interview and everything?
6: Well, not really, and I'll tell you why. Um, This might make me sound almost wimpy, but I mean, I was married at the time, and as a married man, I believe in being faithful, and I kind of go to bed at 11.30 at night, and Pete would (laughs) want to hang out and have me meet him in the city to see some band at midnight or whatever. And, you know, he lived in Brooklyn. It's like, you know, it would be an hour for me to drive there. And there's an element in the music business that I'm just not comfortable with. um, And I didn't really want to enter into that realm. I mean, I've been around whatever goes on in the music business for my whole life, and I've always been able to avoid it. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, you know what? Is this something I really want to get into? I'm married now. I'm happily married. And uh, is this something I really, you know, there's certain people that. You don't invite into your life because you're afraid of the consequences, and not. I, I think Pete was a good guy and mm-hmm. a gentle soul, as far as I knew. But I knew, the, I know, the element around around famous rock stars has always had a darker element that I'm really just not comfortable being around, particularly at mm-hmm. this point in my life.
5: Right. Um, okay.
6: No. So so that was, that was about it. So that's why, really, after we talked for about three, four weeks, and I I kind of. Said, ah, no, I'm not going to come out tonight. It just, you know, kind of went nowhere because I kind of wasn't pursuing it on my end, you know.
4: Okay. Um, I know that a lot of people, you know, when sort of when the bullet is hot out of the chamber, you know, a lot of things start to come out. You know, um, a lot of people started saying, you know, he was a, a genius. He was a very big inspiration, um, and that's of The moment right when, you know, uh, he died. Do you think that five, ten years from now, people are going to look back and say, you know what, Pete Steele was a genius, he was a big influence, Uh, those Type-O albums really marked a before and after, not only for Roadrunner, but for metal and hard rock in general?
6: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's certain music, and it's funny because I, like I said yesterday when I was asked for comments, I said I'm not generally into four-minute songs. Um, I prefer to kiss Aerosmith, you know, three and a half minutes and get out of there. Right. But uh, typo-negative songs to me almost like work, but I appreciate it so much. Mm -hmm. It's majestic, and like I said yesterday in my initial comments, um, although I think of myself as a great riff writer, Pete definitely touched upon things and had songs that you cannot just tip your hat to and say, my goodness, this guy is really, really on another level. And mm-hmm. as much as my pride, almost bothers me to say that there's certain people, whether it's Pete Steele or Jerry Cantrell or, you know, you know Lennon McCartney, who I, don't, I, don't even, I only own one Beatle album, but you know they're on another level from you. Right. Um, and Pete is one of those guys, and I think as time goes by, it will prove to be even more true. I could tell you one other story that I'll remember from Pete when I was interviewing him. Um, I was talking to Pete about the future, and he was telling me at the time how he was a much happier person when he worked for the Parks Department, which I can sort of understand that, because right now Bobby Blitz will call me or Ron Lipnicki from Overkill. They'll call me from being on tour. Right. And a little part of me really wishes I was out there with them promoting my music on tour in a different city the other night, but the real me, who's living in reality, would rather spend the night with my wife watching Family Guy and going out to dinner and going on some vacations than being in a different city every day. Right. But I was talking with Pete about the future, and I said, "Well, Pete, you know, something regarding the future." And he said, "Oh, you know, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it." I said, "Or oh, in your case, you'll jump off that bridge when you come to it." And he said, "I like that. Can I use that?" <laughs> so I'll always remember that. You know, that's great. And uh, my only last involvement, my last involvement with anybody from Typo Negative was. Um, the drummer, Johnny, was emailing me saying, hey, uh, you know, he liked the Curse CD. Maybe we should jam some there with Blitz. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he told me that Pete moved to the Poconos and they were looking for a rehearsal studio. This was just a few months ago. Looking for a rehearsal studio between Brooklyn and the Poconos. And I I, had, I knew two guys named Dave, and they ended up rehearsing at uh, Fox Studios before their last tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, the owner from Fox Studios was very freaked out by the typo-negative lyrics. His daughter was a big fan. And he almost didn't want the band in there, but then he had some conversations with the band. They they rehearsed there, and he was telling me how they were just nothing but gentlemen, you know?
4: Huh, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone that I've spoken to or come in contact with, uh, both as fans or, uh, you know, as part of the industry, have commented the same thing, you know, have all said that uh, the guys were all very approachable, they were all down to earth, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, and this is before... All of this happened like i said when when we interviewed Joey, he was you know saying how you know uh, Pete was very genuine, he was very kind, but at the same time he could pretty much roll with the punches and come up with you know things on the spot. He was very witty, and he was he was saying that he was great at coming up with lyrics just out of left field they 'd come up with a riff, and you know the lyric would be there so
6: sure victor i mean he he really he was a tortured artist you know and sometimes yeah. You have to uh, have a heart or a brain that makes things real dark for you to create such beautiful art, you know?
4: Right, right, right. No, I, I got you. And unfortunately, you know, the, I think throughout history and throughout music, we've seen that, you know, with so many people over the years that uh, that's been true and so many artists that are still out there that it's true. So uh, it's just a shame that um, that he's gone. It's, it was almost surreal when I, uh, you know, read this stuff yesterday because obviously – you know the, the hoax that had happened a few years back, but um, you know it, it's unfortunate. And you know, with all of these things, like Lennon and McCartney, as you'd mentioned before, with the Beatles and so many other people, you know, we'll have to uh, continue to remember uh, them through their music.
6: So. And that is the best thing. My favorite thing about music is how it'll outlive outlive us all, and that that's right. beautiful. That's a that's a wonderful thought I have that. Someday I'll be gone from this earth and people can still listen to my music if they like it. And, and that, that just blows me away.
4: Can you imagine 200 years from now somebody will be playing um, uh, In the Know by uh, Nonfiction?
6: I cannot even imagine 20 years from now, but time goes by <laughs> real quickly and, and things happen. Like, you know, we're doing the Haiti shows now, our, our 25th anniversary, and it is mind blowing how quick time does go by, Victor.
4: Right. And um, you guys are going to be out, what, Keep It True this month?
6: Uh, Yeah, actually next week we're at Keep It True. We're playing Dingbats on Wednesday, April 21st, and we fly to Germany the very next day if the clouds from the volcano in Iceland don't prevent us from doing so.
4: background the song Carnivore by Carnivore coming off of the album Carnivore. I want to thank uh, Dan Lorenzo for coming on with such short notice and talking to me about Pete and his interaction that uh, he had with Pete over the years. And uh, as mentioned before, what I'm going to have is the piece now with Joey talking about um, joining Carnivore and, and playing with them. I'll let the track play out and then we'll jump right into that segment.
0: Never. The hunger I feel makes you a meal girl, you shall be sweet By my hair, hold me there Or guide me to a treat your legs, I'll see blaze
4: With Carnivore come about?
7: <laughs> well, Peter Steele, uh, you know, the one evening I got this crazy phone call. I didn't even believe it was Peter Steele because I haven't heard from him in about seven years. Right. But I got a phone call from this, this man who happened to be <laughs> Peter asking for me and saying he was Peter Steele. And I said, yeah, right. It like I go was someone playing a prank, you know, changing their voice.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: And then you know, although Peter and I are been friends for many years, he just, he never called, you know, we never really talked on the phone or that, that type of relationship. Um, but it was him, and, and he said, uh, you know, basically, uh, I have a proposition for you on putting Carnivore together, and I'd love for you, you're my first choice in, uh, in the player. And I said, you know what, Carnivore was, you know, one of my, uh, <laughs> one of the bands that influenced me, like, as a heavy band growing up. Right. And, you know heavy wise and and, and groove and um, yeah I, I'd love to do it you know, get up there and be a maniac so <laughs> I took it on and it was a lot of fun while it lasted and uh you know it hasn't gone away, but Peter's very very busy with type of negative right and i I, I reassured Peter that any time that you know he has that bug in his you know that bug in him to make carnivore happen. Just to reach out and, and we can talk about it and uh, see if it works out with everyone's schedules. And I think that's mainly the, the thing is, is when it works out with uh, everyone's band schedules, you know. Right. So um, it's still there though.
4: Oh, cool. So we we could possibly see something in the future then.
7: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the band is, it's a done deal. It's uh, again, we never closed a book, a chapter on it or anything, and. Uh, Peters never he never gave us the word that it's a done deal. Right. So, you know, you could possibly see something happen in the future with that. Cool.
4: little LOA with Through and Through. First song I ever heard by Life of Agony. Again, we're doing this in tribute to Pete Steele, and this is why we um, we took that segment uh, from Carnivore from my previous interview with Joey and added that here. Uh, I want to thank Joey for coming on. And, uh, you know, again, had we, have, had we have foreseen the future, we would have obviously dedicated more time to this. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, In any event, we're going to let Through and Through play out for a little bit. And uh, what we'll do is we'll jump into the segment that I did with Mark Striegel from Talking Metal. As mentioned previously, this is going to be released jointly by uh, Mars Attacks and Talking Metal. This is a special episode in commemoration of Pete Steele and his music and, you know... I didn't mention this before, but, you know, I want to send my condolences out to uh, the family, all of his bandmates, and, you know, um, it's obvious that he made a lot of friends along the way. So, uh, you know, uh, thoughts go out to everyone. But anyway, um, uh, let me leave you with a little through and through. We'll do the interview segment, and then we'll come back and get you up to speed with uh, everything regarding Mars Attacks. And all the other stuff that I'm involved with. So, um, hold tight a few seconds, and uh, Josie will be up next. Never, never. I said I'm cold, cold, never. <laughs>
1: Broadcasting live from Bionic Studio, we have Jody and Jake working with us tonight, and Victor is here doing the first live edition of Mars Attacks. Victor?
4: Bringing the show over to the east coast of the U.S. First time, first time in the States actually doing the show. So usually, uh, for those of you not keeping track or keeping score, usually do the show from Spain, interview people like Joey Z uh, over the phone, and later... Bring it to you guys uh over either Mark Striegel Radio or via podcast format.
2: Congratulations, so. Victor! Thank you, Joe. Mars attacks in the U.S.
4: Thank you, thank you. We have Joey Z in studio, as Mark had mentioned before.
2: How you guys doing? Good, and, uh, good. Man. I love this place, by the way. Yeah, Bionics a beautiful place. I walked definitely. in, I was like, "This place rules already." Just the vibe here. As soon as you walk, it's very comfortable. Right. Yes. You could walk into a lot of places and feel very like, okay, I'll just do what I got to do and, <laughs> you know, get it done. But this is like, it's a cool hang. It's already fun. Like when John was talking about that stuff earlier, I was sitting on the couch just cracking up, you yeah. <laughs> know, very comfortable. I like it.
4: Cool. And we were talking to uh, Joey as we had a few tunes playing there. For those of you keeping score, that was the new Slash song with uh, Andrew Stockdale from wolf mother
2: that's who was singing
4: yeah yeah yeah. it's that him singing cool. and playing guitar along to that and uh, before that we had a little warrior soul the song mars to sort of be in the spirit here with there the show go. and um and as far as joey's concerned we had him back on the show back in november we were about to or i'm sorry life of agony was about to do the 20th anniversary shows right. over at the starland and at the highland ballroom here and um how did that all go down
2: well, uh, that's funny. Just mentioning that interview you did, I was in Macy's. No kidding. That background noise you heard right, 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 <laughs> was right. a security guard bumping me saying like I was on the phone forever sitting right. at, where you try on shoes Right. <laughs> and right, uh, right. the security guard kept walking by me like every time, you know, and he kept looking at me like, what is this guy doing here? <laughs> and finally, but, so that noise anyway. In the background was that was Macy's, by the way.
4: And and here I was thinking, all um, right, he's at some production meeting no, or something, no, no, you know, no. <laughs> something for the studio. I had
2: and- I had a I had an allowance, so I wanted to buy a new pair of shoes, which I'm not wearing right now. <laughs> but anyway, um, the Starland Ballroom show went great. We actually uh, recorded it, right? Uh, uh, audio, just an audio recording. I'm sure plenty of people got a lot of footage on their uh, video phones because I saw a lot of stuff online, which was cool. Right um but we're going to put that on, on vinyl only. Oh okay. Oh, cool. Which would be really cool. We thought just do something special. Like mm-hmm. we know there's a lot of uh vinyl collectors out there that want, you know, some cool special vinyl things. It's going to be limited. Every single one is going to be signed. Okay. So we plan we have the uh the the recording, excuse me. Okay. And it's being mixed right now, so Hopefully, that'll be out by the summer or something like that. Cool. And we're going over to Europe. Uh, I'm actually leaving Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I'm leaving the 31st. So, yeah, Wednesday, and we're going to do River Runs Red uh, shows in its entirety. River Runs Red, for all those who don't know, is Life of Agony's first record. It kind of just, I don't know, put us on the map, you would say, right, Victor? Right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it became like a cult type of following for that record. People, I've had people crying on my shoulder. It, it it's very special to us, you know. Roadrunner right? release? Roadrunner, yeah. 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 They released our first three records. Um, River Runs Red just became one of those records that people just cling to. It, I don't know if it brings them back to their uh, teen years or it, it, it helps them relate or think about things that, you know, were in their lives at that time or affected them at that time. It was a record that helped a lot of people. Right. So we we did that at Starland. That's the uh, vinyl I'm talking about. And, right. um And we're going over to Europe to do three shows, which two, I believe, is sold out already, which we're blown away by. We're actually going to record, again, a CD and a live DVD. Ice Cream Records in Europe approached us, said, we'd love to record this in Belgium. We're doing a big show in Belgium, and there's a studio at this venue. The place holds about 2,500 people, and above the venue, there's a Pro Tools HD full-blown studio. They're going to record the show. They're going to have a full camera crew there. So I'm sure we're going to get a killer. And I'm mixing it at my studio. Okay. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be great, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I believe that is either the first or second show. So either Friday or Saturday of next week, I'll be recording that in Belgium. Wow. Cool. Very cool. So it's going to be very exciting. I mean, we're, we're all pumped. We've been rehearsing like crazy, just right. making and sure. And you we're sh- rehearse at your studio? No. I Actually, we have a couple of times, and so does Carnivore, which we could always talk about that later. But um, we have a studio in New Jersey, okay. uh, in uh, Jersey City, or 440. Okay. Um, and we just have a monthly room there that we keep a lot of our touring Right. Okay. And, and gotcha. We we've been doing crazy that, like, making sure the material is nice and tight, and we're sharp for this because you know this is something that's very important to sure. us. You know.
4: Okay. And you guys are just doing River Runs Red? Or are you doing?
2: No, we we'll do, afterwards. Yeah, or? we'll 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 do the River Runs Red. It's an entire, and it's in its entirety. It's a tongue twister, a little <laughs> bit for me at least. Italian guy from Brooklyn. um but uh, afterwards, as soon as that's over, we're gonna we're gonna do a few songs from the you know different records and stuff, and we have okay. like I think six or seven songs we handpicked for that people I'm sure are gonna want to hear besides right. the River Runs Red stuff. So
4: so like Weeds, Lost the Twenty Two, yeah, exactly. things like that. Okay.
2: Love to let you down, even from the cool. newer album. You know, we're gonna do a couple of tracks. And Other Side of River is another one that a lot of people like to hear, I regret. So we're going to okay. just hand pick a bunch and throw them in and come back out after the River Runs Red thing and hit them with the other stuff.
4: Cool. Awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. Um, You guys also did some more touring after these shows. You played a few shows with The Life of Aram. With God Forbid, excuse me. Yeah, uh,
2: out and- God Forbid actually ended up pulling off of it because no um, they got the uh, Five Finger Death Punch tour, right. which I don't blame them. I mean, that's a full-blown tour. So, uh, you know, they had to pull off. It was only a couple of shows I think they were going to do, but um, it ended up working out. We got Seven Void, which okay. is um, Kenny and uh, Johnny from, from Typo o- yeah. Negative. Mm-hmm um their band and they jumped on the show so it's it was great man all friends it was a great time and the crowd loves it they love the river runs red stuff like i said right insanity from start to finish wow <laughs> soon as you come out they just you know the crowd erupts into this like i don't know it just looks like a war I, sometimes <laughs> i look out i'm like is everyone all right you know <laughs> it's pretty cool though that's we cool love it
4: the last time we spoke as well you had mentioned that you guys had been um, uh, possibly writing new material you yeah. had been at like the infant stages of putting things yeah. together.
2: We're like turtles, man. We, we're, we're not a very fat, you know, we don't write songs fat, And it's, it could be a good thing because we only write when we're really feeling something. Right. People always are breaking our chops. I don't know what I'm allowed to say on the air here. But yeah, people, whatever you want. All right. People are breaking our balls <laughs> constantly <laughs> about, like, well, how come you guys put out a record once every, you know, whatever. And we're like, we just want to write when it, it feels right you know, we don't want to just write to write to get something right. out, to get a piece of product on the shelf again or whatever. Um, that's, I think the battle for every band is write something that means something. Right. Cause we've all heard those albums that our favorite artists come out with and there's a little bit of disappointment in there. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Life of Agony, the last record we released was on Epic in 2005. Right. And that, album, there was a little hint of that, I think, because we were kind of being pushed to to hurry up a little bit mm-hmm. with the writing process. And I think here and there, even being in the band, I, I feel and hear a little hint of that we had to get going. We had to get moving right. on the material. So now that we're not with a label, we don't have management, believe it or not, uh, and this is a good thing for all the bands out there that are doing doing it on their own, which a lot of bands are now, you don't it's weird. Like, we're doing better than we've ever done. Where We have probably the best, like, setup now, being that we're taking care of everything on our own. And we're making the most money, believe it or not, than we've ever made. Yeah. And we don't have a label. We don't have a new album. Our last album came out in 2005. Right. And, you know, we don't have management. We're doing it all ourselves. So— I don't know, man. It's like there's hope out there for with everything that's out there now from the Internet, you know, all these sites that could put your music out for you. There's CD Baby, Taxi, all these, avenues, these 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 platforms and these places where you could put your music out. It's just a great thing for a lot of the younger aspiring bands that are not sure what to do. Go to these sites. Go check out One Hundred One distribution. They offer great deals. I was just on the phone with the vice president, uh, Jean-Louis, and uh, we were talking about something, and um, he gave me the rundown on how 101 distribution works, and it is perfect for the independent artist.
1: It's really cool to hear you say that because so many artists that we talk to are like, oh, it's just such a horrible situation now. It's not. With kids stealing music online and the Internet ruined it for us, And and here you're saying, well, you know— we can now do this without a label and without management and we're even making better money than we used to. So that's, that's a a different side than I think you hear a lot. Right.
2: And you know what? Um, Write music for the right reasons and people will listen. People are going to, the thing with a label is I think they find sometimes, and I'm not bashing all labels or anything like that. There are some really hardworking labels out there that, that care. Right. Um, but a lot of labels out there are looking for the next thing that's gonna sell, like the next product like so they're right. grabbing the younger bands with the cool hair and the and the tattoos in the right places and <laughs> and then the music isn't really living up to anything and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people you know were getting discouraged like a lot of independent artists, like the people you're talking about because. They feel like, oh, I'm only going to have a shot if, if it goes this way or, you know, if I get signed and, and go this route. But that's not the case at all. It's complete opposite. When we were younger, LOA, you know, I, we had to go around and give out our, uh, our demos and, and shove them in people's faces. We didn't have the Internet. We had to go to shows yeah. and try to hope to, like, rub elbows with the right person. And yeah. it was a lot more difficult. You know, uh, and I could, I'd have to say, we kind of got lucky. We go to Lamore's a lot in Brooklyn and Ken Creedy, who is typo negatives manager, or they were called repulsion at the time. And uh, I kept shoving demos in his face cause I would see this guy and I kept giving him life of agony demos and I'll never forget it. He took the demo and he, he threw it in the, in the garbage pail right next to him when I turned around, yeah. but he huh. didn't know I, I saw it. Right. <laughs> so I walked back over, I, Picked the Dem my my Life of Agony demo tape right. up out of garbage, and I said, "No, man, you got to fucking listen to this. I'm serious," and he took it serious, and that's how he took us on. Wow! And that's that was story, the real yeah. story. And then he helped us get signed to Roadrunner. That was at Lemoore's in Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, so it's uh, again going back to what I was saying before. You know, there's a lot of hope for the for the independent artists now. You know, there's a lot. Go online like I said you could go to all those sites I'll mention them again CD Baby, Taxi, 101 Distribution which is one of my favorites now. Um you know all these sites could help you put out your music and if it's good shit people are going to adhere to it. Bottom line, that's how it works. There's n- there's no denying good music. We all know that in this room.
4: Right, right, right. And that's absolutely true. You know what you know what you guys put out years ago still holds true today there's so many things that you're saying you know having the tattoos in the right place the hair comb the certain way yep you know unfortunately what are these bands going to be doing in two three years nothing when when they don't have a sound that sticks out you guys had a sound or have always had a sound that you know either the words stuck out and grabbed people or the, the different hooks and the riffs and things you know really stuck out and i mean i don't want to name bands but
2: no, I know. I mean, I know. for
4: all of us here that have seen, you know, different subgenres come and go, or different fads come and go, you're looking at it saying, like, "Oh my God, do you not see the, you know, what's coming?"
2: And <laughs> the- you and I, yeah, you and I were talking about this. I, I, I there's been a, a maybe a, a gap of like 10 years already. I turn on the radio just to check out what's going on, and unless it's a it's an older band that we all know that are putting out new stuff if it's some of these newer, whether it's metal or whatever it is, just rock, hard rock, a, a lot of it, I mean, it's just like skip, skip, like skip right. through it. Like I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not right. feeling it. It's not hitting me in here in my heart. I, I like not... to refer to it as
4: marketing music Yeah, because well, it's, you know, all right, well, what can we fit in this one box to sound like band X or band Y? And
2: Yeah. And then you could kind of like, you could kind of like grab a few, Like, here and there, you'll be able to, like, grab one or two, like, that you know the band's for real, and you grab them and say, you know what, that's some good shit. Right, right, right. You know, and, uh, you know, a band like Lamb of God, or, you know, it's, they, they're going for it. They really, they get up there and they mean it. Played with those guys, and, you know, so, you know, it's out there. There there is good stuff out there. It's just very hard to find lately.
1: Cool, and... Good mark. Oh, I was going to say not to not to only talk about Life of Agony because I know there's other things we want to touch on here. But, sure. Uh, when you think of the the River Runs Red album, why did that touch so many people so deeply back then, and uh, why is it still such a powerful thing in so many fans' life?
2: I'll tell you why. I think because it was just uh, an open book. Uh, it was about our past, about the way we grew up, basically. Um, uh Alan is Alan Robert, the bass player of the band. He's just he's brilliant at being able to gather what is going on around him and put it into lyrical format, and and basically hand you the story of your life. There were times where he would hand the songs, and I literally, your eyes filled up with tears. I. Never forget the day um, he, I will get back to River Runs Red in a second, but he wrote a song called The Day He Died and my uncle just right. passed away. Mm. Just for those who uh, don't know, Keith, the singer of Life of Agony, Keith Caputo and myself are cousins. Right. Real first blood. So my mother and his dad were brother and sister until my uncle passed away from heroin overdose. Right. And so to Keith's mother, my aunt passed away from heroin overdose. Oh, hmm. So we write about, Everything that's gone on. My father, I love him. He's he's still around, thank God. Today, he's he's a recovered alcoholic, and I had a rough childhood with that. So it's like somehow Alan was always able to pull all these emotions out of us and then put it in words and then show us. Mm-hmm. And that simple thing that he was able to do, so many kids, and, and we wrote about how hard it was dealing just with your parents or with... School And how no one understood you and no one, uh, you know, understood why you like this music. And like, this is the stuff we felt. You know, I was in school. I remember, you know, I had hair in my face. I had a devil's lock. I loved the misfits. And, you know, and here I am walking and, you know, I was going to art and design in in Manhattan here. I, I only lasted five months in that school because... I mean, I got jumped by all these dudes one day, and like my mother wouldn't even send me back to that school, you know, right. just because I looked, you know, I had leather jacket on and hair in my face, and you know, and I never went back after that day. So like we wrote music about just everything we experienced, from our families to outside the house, inside the house, a lot of that, you know, school, jobs, girlfriends, and it. We just squashed it all. Alan was just able to put it into a lyrical form and and the music was so true and real cuz we just want to see people move. Right. That was the the uh, background where we come from. eggs, um like I said Misfits, Metallica, you know, uh, Carnivore, um Typo Negative, which was Repulsion. All these bands like were very groove oriented, like riffy with with solid, heavy, groovy b- backbeats and stuff and that's the stuff. Biohazard was a big influence on Life of Agony back in the right. day, on the River Runs Red stuff musically, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Friends too, of course. We grew up in the same neighborhood. But all of this, all of these things, we took, you take all of these things, but we were just being true to ourselves. So going back to River Runs Red thing is we were just staying, we were just being us. And you know what? After a while, I think the industry can taint you as a band because- you kind of, you can lose sight of that because when, before you sign, we wrote River Runs Red. We weren't, we weren't even signed yet. Mm-hmm. Basically. We had most of those songs written. We were just a bunch of kids that loved doing it. And, you know, I'm sitting here, but I'll tell you, like, you can be tainted by, by getting into the cycle, having to do the next record, having right. that pressure now come up with more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we it's did. not as organic. Exactly. Yet. Right. Exactly. And we did, we came up ugly, was again, an extension. And thank God right. we were somehow able to always keep an aspect of that, uh, real, that, that reality in our music. You know, we were able to keep that. And, uh, I think that's why our fans and all the, all the people that listen to Life of Agony just stayed with us. And, and cause we have timeless music. I feel a lot of people tell us that it's timeless.
4: Yeah. I remember when River runs Red, came out and even when ugly came out a lot of people coming up to me saying you got to listen to this this is exactly how i feel or this is you know this is my life right here you know yeah listen to this in a nutshell and
2: they could relate and i've seen it firsthand i'm looking down at the audience and you know the maniacs that are getting squashed up against the (laughs) the gate especially at those festivals i mean there are tears tears pouring out of their faces like and i know why they're crying right i know I've cried on stage. When we sing some of the songs about my aunt and uncle, we have a song called How It Would Be. Right. The song's basically, Keith wrote it, my cousin, about how it would be if he ever met his mother. Mm-hmm. I'm, I remember her because I'm a couple of years older than her, my mm-hmm. aunt. I'm older than Keith, I should say. So I remember her a little bit. I was, I was three or four when she passed, and Keith was only one. Oh, my gosh. Right. So he writes this song, I wonder how it would be if... if my mother was still around and what type of person I would be. And like, here I am on stage when we got back together in 2003 to do the life of agony reunion. Mm -hmm. When the band actually came back together after six years. And here I am on stage, the first show. And I couldn't stop crying like a baby Mm. on stage. Like I, it just hit me like, wow, you know, this is, this is real. Like that's my family. Like, and he's looking at me and singing in my face, and like I see it in his eyes. And it, this is what we're not fucking around, right? <laughs> right. You know, we're real we're living it, dude.
4: Yeah, it's pure emotion just coming pure out on emotion. stage.
2: And the crowd—I got the chills right now on my arm. The crowd feels this shit. And if when you're a band, that's the kind of shit you need to bring to the table. Like I, I'm not saying you have to always write about hardships, but bring that real passion or motion and this is going out to all you guys out there that are writing new music tap into some of that because we need more of this stuff there's not enough of it there's not enough of it around right now and people are just writing for the different reasons and you know we need more of the um the goods
4: do you see or do you did you form this opinion based on uh the production side of things now being that you're running a studio where you're seeing that people aren't bringing the goods to the table, or is it just being a casual m- music fan and just not hearing what you want to hear it's on the radio? It's okay. bo- It's
2: a little bit of both. Um, there are bands I know that that come. Th- the, for instance, I'm working with a band right now called Misery. Right. Um, they have what we. They have what we need basically. They have that pure love for what they're doing heart and emotion they have that pain they write about all the painful shit and crap in their lives and i love working with these guys um, i'm producing their record right now for a, a label called super metal records right. which i'm actually also helping the label rep for them because oh, they cool. i like the people there i like them there are a couple of guys they ask they like me they ask me if you know i'd like to be a part of it to help find more talent um, and I, I said, sure, you know, I, I just want to, you know, do something, work with real people. So Misery, going back to Misery, they're a band that you're going to hear the, the album's going to be called Evil is Crowned. I'm actually starting to mix it this week. Cool. Okay. We recorded at Systems 2 where I did River Runs Red. Right. The band, the guys in the band are a uh, big, uh, LOA fans. They love, they, they know the whole history and they, great guys. So they wanted to do the, the record at Systems too, where we did River Runs Red, which I thought was a killer idea because it's full circle for me. Do they have but, a similar sound? To well, them? they have aspects of that in there, but they're a lot heavier. They they have they like more of a if you combine Life of Agony with Pantera and like Lamb of God, yeah, like gotcha. cool. They have it a really hard metal. Like they're gonna, they're really gonna do well, and I'm cool. glad I'm part of the team to to adhere to a band like that that I believe in, and um. So, but then going back to what you said, yes, I do see a lot of that. Like I do see a lot of bands coming in that just want to be in a band and I want to do it with, you know, for a living and it's cool. I get it. You know, I get it. Being in a band is cool, but you need to dig a little bit deeper. A a lot of these bands just need to go the extra step, the extra mile, figure out what it is that they want to say. What message are you bringing? You know, kind of like when there's not a message there it's kind of just this big gray matter piece of matter that I'm just looking at like I'm not I'm not feeling it. Like right. some cool riffs, some cool vocal ideas, but where is the message? Like what right. what, what are we saying here?
4: Yeah, there isn't a complete package. It's exactly. just sort of there, you know, it's all right, right, but there's nothing that just sticks out to you to say Exactly. All right, cool. This this hooked me in. And that's so. why
2: I like misery because I feel like they 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 bring something real to the table. They they look like they look like maniacs that they want to play some hard, crazy music. They have passion for metal. You could just tell it's written all over their faces. It's they have they're not a, they don't have a piece of gray matter. Gotcha. It's way beyond that. So that's why I, I mentioned them because it'd be something cool to look at, look out for.
4: Okay. And the last time we spoke, you were actually producing one other band that you were raving about?
2: Yeah, uh, this band called uh, The Greatest Fear. Okay. Another band. Uh, what a story they had. And and let me tell you something. Uh, Jane Sanders, the singer, uh, female vocalist, she just, uh, again, like another person that has the knack of taking... And she uses it, she does it in a metaphorical way. Like her lyrics aren't like, like, like Life of Agony, like... You know, you read it and you know what it's about. Hers, she's using metaphors, but the way she does it is just incredible and in how she ties everything in and pulls it all together in the song. Um, there's a song called A Flower Without Sun and uh, that I produced with them. And they actually, they're just a couple. The Brian is her husband. He's mm-hmm. the drummer. Jane is the vocalist. And they have a great, they have not a, it's kind of a tragic story, but you know they they were living out a west west coast in las vegas nothing was going on they they actually they had a band for a little while then it kind of fell apart but they wrote she always wrote great stuff they write great stuff anyway brian's um, mom actually ended up passing away like right before they were ready to move to new york and they ended up moving anyway because their dream was to come to new york and kind of adhere with the new york scene right and cuz cool. they yeah they thought that that was a more authentic type of scene and I I agree with them and um, not to say Las Vegas isn't but I'm just saying you know they they wanted to adhere to like the typo negatives and the life of agonies and stuff and uh, so they you know they came over their equipment their (laughs) this isn't even funny and I'm laughing but it's it's fucked up. That's why I'm laughing. The night before, after everything they dealt with with their families, her father was in a bad car accident, was almost paralyzed for life. His mom passed away before they left. Then the night before, they had their trailer packed with all that gear, their music shit, their amps, their guitars, and all that stuff they were bringing to New York. The trailer got completely stolen. Oh, boy. Wow. The night before, they drove cross-country. So they left anyway with nothing. Wow. Huh. They, had, they came to New York with nothing. They drove across country, and that's why I give them so much credit. So they're in my studio. They come to me. We meet. I, I, I definitely want to work with them. I heard some ideas, some rough ideas, and uh, it came time for the guitars, and Jane was going to – the vocalist was going to try to throw down some heavy stuff, and I could tell she was very nervous. She was very nervous, very shaky, and I was like, hey, I was like, do you want me to do the guitar stuff? And she was like, "Oh my God, you know, like I, I, that would be amazing. You're flipping me out, and you know, I I love that. And what do we got to pay you? I'm like, you don't got to pay me anything. Right. You know, I wanna I wanna do this for you. I wanna play on it for you for for everything you've told me. And anyway, so that, that that's what I did. I uh now we're three songs in. You know, I, I want to just help these people. You know, I don't know where it's going to go. You don't see yourself as becoming a full-fledged right, member of the right. band. Like, or- I'm, I'm, well, you know, again, I don't want to put any, like, walls around anything because right. you never know. But as of right now, I'm helping them getting their recordings done by contributing with the guitar. Cool. And that's pretty much where I'm at with that. You know, I, I like what she writes. I-, I love what she writes. I shouldn't even say I like it. I, I love what she writes, and I want to just color it with my heavy heavy sound. Cool. Excellent. It's pretty cool. (laughs) The greatest fear. Cool.
4: And outside of all of this, you also mentioned the last time that you're working on a solo album.
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I have two little daughters at home, um, ages, one's going to be four, Sophia, and Mia is going to be two. Um, You know, between the studio, Life of Agony, uh, Carnivore, um, a family that I, I really, am the type of person that I want to spend as much time with my kids and not ignore my children. Right. Like, that's awesome. I don't want to be that dad that is never around or you never knew, we never knew my, our dad, he was always doing something. I spend, I'm with them and this is my schedule. Um, I'm with my, my wife works full time. She works for the board of education. She has a great job. Um, she's a social worker. She helps people, Every day, and the stories I hear are, are are incredible, but I'm home with my girls every day, and it's the best thing. but as far as working on other stuff, when you have young children at that age, you don't have much time to pick up a guitar and get into that mode like I was talking about earlier to get into that mode where you totally lose yourself and be able to write stuff so my going back to the solo this all pertains to the solo thing. It take it's taking me a long time yeah. to come up with material for this solo thing that I've been wanting to work on forever, but it's okay. I'm not, I don't want to mistake this for complaining. I don't ever want to sound like I'm complaining because that's the last thing I'm doing because mm-hmm. spending time with my daughters is doesn't the most get, important. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Exactly. Yeah. It's the most important thing to me. And I'm I'm grateful that my life has put me in this position that I could spend this time with them, because I know there are a lot of dads and moms out there that just can have a nanny, because mm-hmm. they just they, it just won't work. Right. So um, I'm grateful, is what I'm saying. I'm grateful that I have this time five days a week to spend with my little girls. And they're and, two years apart. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Almost uh, by one month. Yeah, the two their birthdays are coming. Um, Mia will be two. April tenth, and Sophia will be four on May ninth. Oh, cool. So, I'm um, uh yeah. you know, well, it's the best. That's thank awesome. you, yeah. thank you. It's the best thing in life, and it's changed my life all for the better. And um, you know, now I found a balance, a balance, because being a touring musician, I that's all I've been, that's all I've known for the past seventeen years of my life. I didn't do anything else. And then w- when it was time, I got married, and my kids were coming. I said, you know what. I want to do something else with music. I opened a studio, so when I'm not touring, I could work at night. I'm working at the studio at nights with my children in the day. If I go on tour, I lock my studio doors. I don't book anything, and I go on tour. So, you know, knock on wood. I hope it, <laughs> I hope it stays this way, um, it, for a long time. I, I'm I finally found a balance because when you're a musician traveling, and every the people out there that are hearing this that are touring. You know what I'm talking about. It's tough to keep that balance. You have to sacrifice a lot. You're always compromising and sacrificing for the road.
4: Right. Okay. Um, Speaking of the studio, where can people find out about Method of Groove Studios?
2: Uh, It's www.methodofgroovestudio.com. Okay. It's not plural. Just methodofgroovestudio.com. dot com.
4: Okay, and the best place to find out about the band is still lifeofagony. dot com.
2: Yep, absolutely. It's lifeofagony. dot com.
4: So after these dates in Europe,
2: uh... we have more dates in Europe this summer. <laughs> so after Europe, we're going back to Europe. We love it there. I mean, we we love it here too. But life of agony in Europe, it's just it's intense. That's the only word that comes to mind. The first word that comes to mind is just the intensity of being there. The people just go insane for LOA there and it's it's just great.
4: Cool, very cool. Do you mind doing a
2: quick ID for no, us? No, not at all. You know, okay. I'll do anything. Just anything uh, it takes. Mars Attacks? Mars Attacks. Let's, yeah, we'll get
1: one for Talking Metal too. Sure, but, absolutely. Uh, do, do Mars Attacks. First. Sure.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony and you're listening to Mars Attacks with my friend Victor. Excellent. Cool. And one for Talking Metal, if you don't mind. Sure. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony, and you're listening to Talking Metal with Mark, John, and the crew. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's great. And before we go, you were telling a great uh, story about one of my favorite guys, Ozzy Osbourne, before we went on the air here tonight. Life of Agony did uh, a tour, which was, um, I guess, like Ozzy's first—Ozzy retired, right? And then he came out of retirement. how many times did he come back? Yeah, but that was one of his comebacks uh, or, or, you know— uh where he emerged out of quote-unquote retirement and he took you guys out um corn corn that's right uh, and i that was i think joe holmes is a guitar that's player right on that. On yeah. that tour. joey
2: um a geezer was on that tour yeah no kidding uh, there was i had one of the coolest moments randy castillo who passed who we, away yeah you know? uh, right may may his soul rest in peace um, he was on that tour. What a great guy Randy was, too. I had a chance to actually play with him Oh wow! Um, on Geezer's equipment because wow, Geezer awesome. was late to a show um, oh, on one of the arena shows. And I happened. To, I always watch Soundcheck because I just thought it was awesome being on this. This is my first arena tour. It was 1996. I was... How old am I now? I'm 38 years old. It's 2010. I guess I can't do math that quick, but I guess I was 24 years old. Right. Mm. Um, so here I am, a tw- 24 year old dude on Ozzy Arena Tour. And uh, anyway, I watched him every day, sound check, everything. And uh, Joey Holmes was like, Well, where's Geezer? You know, Geezer's not showing up for a while. We need to check. Joey was uh, a great guy. He looks at me. He's like, Hey, Joey Z, man, you could play a little bit of bass. I was like, I think I can manage. Yeah. And he's like, come up here, man. Come play with us. And uh, I jammed with them, with Randy and Joe. and Just like random jamming, or were you guys actually no, playing we a played, song? No, I, I played Crazy Train and Paranoid. Oh, that's awesome. On bass. Yeah. I can't tell you how it turned out, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I played all the right parts. Yeah. But I think I was just like a kid, like at Christmas morning. I, I was just up there just like, I can't, this is amazing. Like, I'm playing Giza Butler's rig and... I have his bass and I'm jamming with like Joey Holmes and Randy. And it was just, it was just an experience. Well, that's a
1: great story. It's not the story that you told no, no. before we went <laughs> the on air. No, the story but, yeah. before,
2: uh, uh, what I was telling Mark and, and Victor and the guys here a little earlier was uh, the kids, Jack and, and Kelly and, and Amy were young then, you know, you got to imagine a lot younger and uh, they, you know, they had a nanny on their bus and they, they wanted to play video games and color. They had like all kinds of art art uh, supplies and stuff. And uh, and Jack had asked his father, hey, Daddy, could Joey ride the bus with us tonight? Can we give him a bunk and he can color with us and play video games? And and uh, and I, I was like, I'd love to, of course, you know. And then uh, Ozzy pulled me aside. <laughs> he pulled me into one of the side dressing rooms. He's like, hey, Joey, let me ask you a question. I can't do his accent that great. Right. But uh, he's like... You're not going to bring any drugs on the bus, are you? I'm like, Ozzy, have you lost your fucking mind? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I'm not bringing drugs on the bus. You know, what are you, crazy? I don't don't do drugs, first of all. And uh, it just was funny that he would actually pull me aside and ask me if I was bringing any drugs on the bus with his, like, you know— kids they were like eight years old right like, yeah. it just but that's being a dad and oh, i don't yeah. blame him you know here you are on a tour with a bunch of guys he hardly knows me he yeah. sees me around and catering and 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 sharon's sweetheart you know we see them around but you know they didn't know who was going on yeah, the bus sure. with their kids you know just wanted to be
1: be careful exactly sure. yeah,
2: And he so. just was making sure but it was funny he actually asked me if i was going to be bringing any drugs with me Uh, A couple great
1: stories. Well, Joey, thank you so much for taking the time to come here to uh, the studios, and uh, we'll definitely repackage this on Mars Attacks, and also hope maybe Talking Metal too, if it's okay with Victor. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Give it double exposure, if you will, (laughs) and uh, keep us in the loop as to what you're up to, and. Best of luck to you.
2: Thank you so much, Mark, yeah. and you too, Victor. Uh, good luck with everything with Mars Attacks, and Thank good you. luck with Talking Metal. Thank and you. this is a great place. I'd love to be back. Okay, well, hopefully you <laughs> will be. I'd love to come yeah. back. Yeah, i would like love to
1: have you back, definitely. <laughs> cool. cool, and
2: uh,
4: Give an update. Since Joey kept mentioning initially the word hope, we're going to go with hope off of Soul Searching Sun.
2: Right on. Cool. Let's play hope. Thanks again, Joey. Thank you, Vic.
4: Joey Z, and uh, as I mentioned during the live show, uh, followed up with Hope, coming off of Soul Searching the Sun by Life of Agony, a band that I truly love, uh, a band that I have all of their albums, and uh, don't think that there's a bad one uh, in the lot. And uh, first and foremost, you know, I want to thank Joey for coming on both times. Uh, I also want to, uh, you know, thank Joey in general. You know, I've uh, interacted with him, you know, outside of the interviews that I've done, you know, shoot the occasional email here and there. I've talked to him on the phone as well, and truly a, a great, great guy, you know. So, again, uh, I want to thank him for coming on. also want to thank Mark and John for helping me set everything up with a live show, and uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, not only to the podcast, but to those of you that listen to the radio show that I do on Mark's Trinity Radio and man, man. you can also go the extra mile and listen to the uh, Fusion Sonica podcast uh and Fusion Sonica radio show. Uh you can find all about everything that I do right on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Uh you can find links there to the Twitter, to the MySpace page, to the Facebook group. Uh, don't be uh you know ashamed to sign up for anything I'm more than happy to uh uh, welcome you guys on board and uh, also want to mention that uh, you know I am doing some freelance stuff for Metal Army America, checked outside out, very cool has all types of uh, interesting tidbits regarding metal, uh, it switches up content on a daily basis uh, adding reviews and uh, well album reviews and concert reviews so far, have a review for an album that Raven just put out I'll just um, leave it at, uh, you know, check out what I wrote up on the site. You know, decide for yourself. You know, these are my opinions. Obviously, you're entitled to um, whatever uh, opinion you have uh, regarding these these albums that I review. So I have reviewed uh, the Brian Posey album as well. thought it was uh, rather entertaining. And, uh, again... Check out Metal Army America. Check out Talking Metal and check out the Talking Metal Wire. You know, every time uh, one of these new uh, reviews go up or I do something new in Fusion Sonica uh, or Mars Attacks, I do add things up there on the Talking Metal Wire. Uh, you know, just a few little uh, quick words just to keep people in the know of what's taking place. And again, you know, check out uh, MarsAttacks.com. MarsAttacksRadio.com, I'm sorry. If you go to MarsAttacks. We've said for the movie. But uh, in any event, thanks again for listening and thanks to everyone that was involved in making this such a special show. Again, Joey Z, uh, Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, and Dan Lorenzo for coming on such short notice and you, the listeners, for checking this out. Uh, if you want to leave me any questions, comments, or concerns or suggestions, I think that I'm rambling too long here as some have mentioned Uh, send me an email victor at martialtaxradio.com thanks again for listening in the background some more Life of Agony this is the day he died this is a track that Joey discussed uh, during the interview and uh, we'll leave you with that before closing things up thanks again for listening long live the memory and music of Pete Steele Tapo Negative Carnivore and everything else he was involved in. See you next time.
8: Around, you can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.